A colleague, a priest in a neighboring parish, reflected in a gathering this week on the remarkable experience he has had as his parish has undertaken helping provide overnight shelter for homeless men this winter. Most striking to him was the conversations he has with some of the men at the shelter who, with no home and very little or no money and barely the clothes that they wear or carry, yet remark on how blessed they are by God. We had to chuckle over this contrast with the tendency we all have, those of us with so much more material wealth, the tendency we all have to complain and often about what we don't have. It's this experience that I've encountered again and again over the years as I work with those who, by choice or ill fortune or a mixture of both, live in radical poverty. It's an experience many of us have as we work with people at the monthly lunch at Our Lady Mount Carmel. We meet people who seem so less fortunate than we are, people who have so much more reason to complain about their lot than we do, and yet they often seem so much more able to proclaim God's blessings in their lives than we are. One of our favorite sins as a people, and I mean sin in that old-fashioned scriptural way, missing the mark, is that we keep looking outside of ourselves for salvation. We look beyond what we have already, beyond our friends, beyond our families, beyond our means, beyond our resources, however we measure them. How we know the dread some of us feel as the government seemed this week destined for a train wreck around health care reform. Maybe that's yet another sign that we cannot look to our leaders to save us. Health care indeed needs reform, it seems to most of us, but that reform cannot rest on the shoulders of a few cloistered in great chambers in Washington. They cannot save it on their own. They cannot save us. Maybe that's why our best leaders talk more about service than saving. Perhaps the greatest political problem for Washington is not Republican or Democrat, but the notion that we, the people of this country, much of the time expect them, mixed up together as they are, to rescue us rather than to lead us. how easily we forget the strange and mysterious promise at the heart of our tradition that we already have everything we need. I suppose that's a reminder for all of us this day as we meet as a parish shortly to discuss where we've been and where we're going. So often we have focused on what we don't yet have Yet our life in the gospel is already unfolding with abundant grace in what we do have. Perhaps the greatest thing we have for that mission and ministry is Christ in one another. For that reason, we are deeply blessed. One of the great hallmarks of our spiritual tradition is that our sacred writings are not interpreted or proclaimed in a vacuum. 
Even when we read them on our own, we recognize that we are surrounded by not only a vast heritage of story and debate and discussion, but by the spirit of our God, illuminating the words of scripture as though we read them each time anew. They are made alive most especially in the life of community gathered. When Ezra began reading to the people, the people who had come together again in the period of the reconstruction of the temple after a long and painful exile that spanned generations, the tradition that made them a people was reborn. It was made anew in their hearts and lives as they heard it and then picked up the customs of their ancestors, in some ways reinvented them and lived into them in their own time. When Jesus begins reading from Isaiah in the synagogue in his hometown, he is not only bringing the words to life, but he is embodying them in himself. The fulfillment he offers is not out there any longer, but present among those listening, moving among them with a radically transformative presence. Most of us have read that quote of Gandhi's, even on the occasional bumper sticker, be the change you want to see in the world. In that sense, Jesus embodies the new reality of God's promise made through the ancient prophet. This is what we mean when we talk about an incarnational faith not just belief in God born in Christ and laid in a manger, not just assenting that the anointed one baptized by John in the river is the Lord come to save us, but rather living into the very reality of God's commands for justice embodied in the being and actions of Christ. Good news taken to those who most need to hear it, Freedom to those who are bound, sight for the blind, the recognition that a God who is so often depicted as wrathful and angry with the failings of the human family, so out there and remote, has instead found favor with us and deigns to set us free by coming among us, by becoming a part of us. We, of course, as a faith community who call ourselves the body of Christ are meant to embody this too in all of our actions and words. We declare the year of the Lord's favor. We marshal our resources for the blind and captive. We take good news to the impoverished. We, too, who are anointed in all of our frailty and humility through our baptism. This is far and away from our cultural tendency to expect things to happen to us from the outside. Our cultural tendency to await the saving hand of someone else. Christian communities make things happen. We forge ahead even with the meager resources we might have. We become the justice and the change we want for the greater world. Paul reminds us today in this great introduction to his song of love, 
in 1 Corinthians that we do this together, not separately, never alone. It might matter that we need each other. Indeed, we do. But more importantly, God needs us and needs us together, shoulder to shoulder, cheek by jowl, laboring for the communion of divine grace and favor in the world. Jesus, in his radical poverty, embodies this truth of blessings for us this day. We are reminded as a parish that each of us and together, we are called to embody the blessings the world needs, that we already have what we need in the gifts of one another, that we proclaim that the promises of God's favor are not fulfilled tomorrow or next year or when the government acts or when our pews are filled or when the accounts hit a certain balance, but they are fulfilled now in our hearing, in this moment, in the deep still places of our souls and community gathered where God is already cultivating new life and new justice, broken open, poured out, shared for us and for our world. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org. That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R mv for millvalley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.